Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, for more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Man, this has been a fast week. Today is Friday, August the 26th, 2016. And our calling number until next Wednesday, or through next Wednesday, is 646-200-4169. And then next Thursday, September the 1st, our calling number changes. So please mark it down that as of September 1st, the calling number will be 516-418-5786. That's 516-418-5786. We're going to, our blog talk was changing all the phone numbers anyway, so we used that opportunity to move off of the Earth Angels radio station and move into our own. So we will be at blogtalkradio.com forward slash radio. And so we'll keep reminding you, it's also on the website. And now that we have our own show, you can take the URL for the podcast and any of the podcast programs you have, whether it's iTunes or or one of your Android or or iPhone, whatever, you can put our URL in and it's on the website and um, it will send you automatic notices that there's a new episode out there and you won't miss a show. So we'd like for you to go out to our new website at the uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash mindshiftersradio and follow our show and click the like and and whatever out there. We're building our stats all over again. And so now let's welcome Michael to the show. Hey. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. We're honored and delighted that you're here with us, sharing these absolutely awesome tools that show precisely how to undo the state of hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief, pain, drama, and trauma, and return yourself to the experience of yourself as you're designed to be experienced. And few people recognize the state. I actually just did a uh, a post of a a pair of awesome pictures a young man named Ron, who you've heard on the show many times over the years. He started doing this work about 20 years ago. He and his wife, Sabrina. 
just had a baby. Well, I guess uh, technically Sabrina had the baby, but a new arrival in the family. So congratulations to Ron, Sabrina, and Grace on the arrival of Ronnie the third. But they, uh, let's see, I think he's now two days old. So these pictures are of a two-day-old. And, I mean, you would swear you're looking at a Buddha. I mean, this guy is just laying back there. His eyes are closed. And he has this huge grin on his face. I mean, if you've never directly experienced the presence of a human life, this is it. I mean, it is just their pictures are so awesome. And so if you're not connected with me on Facebook, you can just put in a friend request to M or pardon me, J.M., underscore R-Y-C-E. That's Jeannie and Michael, underscore R-Y-C-E, J-M. And uh, you'll see those pictures, and and you'll keep up with the posts. I post in a lot of arenas uh, with the idea of bringing forward awareness to uh, the healing possibilities in our world and different people. You know, there are a lot of people working in that direction. And at the same time, we put forward a, a lot of the awareness of a lot of the areas where there's healing needed, where people who are conscious need to bring their awareness, where a lot of people generally avoid that. No, I don't want to deal with that. I'm a positive thinker. I don't do that. But rather, you know, who was it that said all it takes is for good men to do nothing, for evil to thrive? And uh, evil, of course, being an Aramaic term that, mean, term that means energies that are off the mark. And so when we wake up, we start to uh, get to experience something different than the uh, the parts of the culture that are heading downward, and as we heal those downward parts in ourselves, we tend to open up the space for the upward momentum that is so desperately needed in the world today. So that's what we're here to support. That's what we're here to do. And we're here to share with you those tools. And we're blessed to have this opportunity. The, uh, the big conversation in the, uh, the intensive, where we're actually now in the midst of a three-day personal code evaluation training. This is day two. So we had a great start yesterday with um, a couple of people volunteering to get up and present some of the material. The, uh, the idea of the personal code is it's a, a tool that we teach that gives people the opportunity to look at hidden parts of the mind and heal the parts of the mind that need to be healed and the personal code evaluation ties in. It looks at our personal code in 10 different areas of life and offers tools for how to heal any blind spots in each of those areas. A powerful tool and so when somebody comes into a workshop instead of pun intended, flying blind, we offer, okay, here's where your efforts will best be applied. And it's interesting, the, uh, the two, actually all three intensives this summer, the number one challenge has been blockage of truth. And when we live a blockage of truth, there's a, there's a system for guaranteeing that the mind will not see the truth. And the system goes like this. My mind tells me a lie. And if your perceptual world comes from the content of your mind, then your mind is stuck in lies. 
because all content of the mind, obviously, if it's content, it's from the past. You won't go into your computer and find something that hasn't been put there at some time previously. You will not go into your mind and find something that has not been put there previously. If something that has been put into your mind previously is stimulated into activity and creates a perception telling you that this is a present moment experience, could it possibly be true? And of course, it's pretty obvious. It can't be the truth. So what happens is, and you know, the most common lie, I, you, you've heard me in workshops before or on the show, how many times have you said, you made me mad, you made me sad, you hurt me, you made me afraid, that disturbed me, this upset me. And all of that is a lie. But because the way the human mind works, it's an evidential device that is directed by words. When I say to my mind, you made me mad, in essence, what I'm saying to my mind is, mind, I want you to go and search my past for evidence and build me a picture world that proves that this person standing in front of me is the problem in my life. And the evidential mind, being the obedient servant that it is, does exactly that. And if my words are, they made me mad, then what my evidential mind will do is, is it will make me a picture that will show me that they're the cause of the reason I'm mad. They're the reason I'm mad. And I'd offer, if I'm frustrated, if I'm angry, if I'm upset and I'm disturbed, I'm not angry, disturbed, upset because of anything happening in my life. I'm angry, disturbed, and upset because the content of my mind is anger, disturbance, and upset. And this has been going on for generations and generations and generations. You remember that story of the Jews wandering in the desert? How long did they wander? For 40 years. Now, think about that story logically. How does a bright group of people like this get lost in a 30-square-mile area for 40 years. That doesn't make any sense. That's totally illogical. What were they talking about? Were they talking about people getting lost in a hot, sandy place? No. The word desert is a code word for the unconscious. Lost in the desert means something from my past, i.e., my anger, that I've denied and dissociated from, I'm using to create a picture that shows me that you're the cause of my pain. You're the cause of my frustration. You're the cause of my anger. You're the only reason I'm upset. And I call that lie truth. Now, there's some interesting Harvard research that says that in a time frame where 10,000 brain cells fire, there are literally 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity firing in the brain, the max amount of data that goes into conscious awareness is nine bits. So when I say to my mind, show me that somebody else is responsible for me being mad, my mind will build a whole world of pictures that show me that everybody else is the problem in my life. Of course, if you happen to sit back and really think about it, you'll notice that you've been through that particular painful reality 87 different times with 42 different people, and you're the only one that was there every time. Maybe that content isn't about them. Maybe it's about you. 
oh, my God, no, that couldn't be. Well, your mind will never show you that. Your mind will show you that it's all about somebody else. And when you tell yourself that lie and you call that lie truth, now your nine-bit mind is filled with a lie you called truth and your mind is no longer available to show you the truth. The conscious awareness spaces are filled and there's no room for truth to enter. That's the world most people live in. And so we're sharing that with you today because that's the core issue that we're working on in the influence of everybody here, working on that truth score, looking at how we tend to fool ourselves with lies and call our lies truth and try to convince. You know, we've got stories that works to convince everybody else. And we make commitments to make changes, but if we turn our guidance over to the mind that has the problem to guide us into making the changes, that guide is the worst advisor in existence. It will never tell you the truth. You've got to turn to a different mind. The way you turn to a different mind is through first century Aramaic forgiveness. The wake-up sheet is on the website. If you've never accessed it, then we invite you to take hold of it. Start to work with it. It will show you how to collapse perceptions based in lies and start to at least create a tiny crack, a tiny opening into which truth can enter. And when you do that, everything begins to shift and change. So love of truth is the antidote for blockage truth. If you found yourself in that position, then we invite you to join us in this next. Let's see, we're, we've got two more days left of, uh, of the personal code evaluation training, and then we're going into a 16-day laws of living. So we'll invite you to spend the next 18 or 19 days with us working on truth and love of truth and collapsing the mind's lies through forgiveness. So we're honored that you're with us, delighted that you're here, and Jeannie tells me we've got a couple of hands up. Jeannie? We do. And the first one, I believe, is Miss Camille from France. Awesome. Hey there, young lady. Hi there, you two. It's so wonderful to hear your voice. Well, I, I didn't expect to be hearing your voice today. It's a delight to hear from you. <laughs> thank you, Michael. I just had to thank both of you for your holding space of love for me the past two or three weeks. Boy, have I ever it. needed it. <laughs> well, Jeannie, I've got to uh, thank you, too, for the email about um, denial. Thank you, Michael, of course, for pointing it out to me. Boy, how blind can we be? <laughs> can I be? <laughs> how did but, that line um, go in that song, Wherefore, as once I was blind, now I see? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I can see clearly now. <laughs> And actually, you know, uh, we could change that line in that song yes. to, wherefore, as once I could see, now I have vision. Oh, wow. i got to write that one down. <laughs> and you remember I, in the ancient scriptures they said, for a lack of vision, my people perish. Yes, indeed. Oh, indeed, I do. I, I see that used often, uh, especially during the... Um, political campaigns 
Um, there you go. <laughs> but my question when I uh, responded to Jeannie's wonderfully generous email is, when I'm using adjectives like an amazing and frustrating vacation, that one really uh, blindsided me. Um, when I'm using adjectives, am I tending to project my feelings on a person, place, or thing? Well, here's the key on that one. Remember our definition of denial is when I think or speak as though something outside of me is the cause of something inside of me, I'm in denial. And purposely when I wrote that to you, because you've been in intensive, you've been doing the work, mm-hmm. I didn't ferret out every place where you've done that, but invited you to do the ferreting, <laughs> to mm-hmm. really look at and build the brain cells. Where in that email am I referring to something out there as being the source of something in here? And as I look at that, then I get to change that. So that would be the... So when I say things like, and I don't have any specific quotes, but one of the issues was going through a strange area in a crowd. So when I say that, gee, you know, here I am going through that crowd, and crowds really frighten me. Now, I know that isn't what was in your email, but but if that were one of the lines in the email, then that would be an example of denial. Crowds don't frighten you. But if you have fear, crowds can certainly be the trigger to bring it out. And, you know, it's like life is designed to heal us, and so – Triggers show up to give us the opportunity to change the parts of our minds that we're hiding from ourselves. And that's exactly. the whole idea of doing the work. Yes, exactly. Okay, so now just refresh my mind again. It's racing ahead. When I think or speak about something outside of me as though it caused a feeling inside of me, I'm in denial. Correct. And the ramifications of denial are that when I go into denial, I say, you know, this part of me that hurts, I really don't like it. I want to change it. I want to fix it. But when I talk about it as though something outside of me causes it, then my denial says to my mind, mind, hide this from me. And so I dissociate from that content, and that content is no longer mine to change. So the very thing I'm pained about, by blaming it on someone else, I lock it inside myself, and I throw away the key. Gotcha. The key is forgiveness. And when I engage in the forgiveness process, then I've just unlocked the parts of my mind that have been I've dissociated from, and then it's a simple matter of bringing those parts forward, exposing them to love, and they dissolve. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> oh, that feels so good. All right, now another question. Uh, I know it's here. Let me think a minute. I'll tell you what, while you're thinking, let me just throw another thought out there, and that is that if you remember in the intensive, we introduced a tool called a mind shifter. Oh, yeah. And remember our definition, our definition of a mind shifter is that a mind shifter is a thought about an issue in our lives around which we have negative thoughts, and it's the opportunity to process, surface, process, and release the negative thoughts. 
And our definition of processing is the ability to hold love conscious, active, and present when something less than love comes up. When love is active and present, that which surfaces that is unlike love begins automatically and spontaneously to dissolve. So life, and you know, you described that trek through France, life acts just like a mind shifter. The purpose of life, I would offer, is to continuously, through resonance, hone in on the lowest energies we hold in ourselves and give us an opportunity to forgive those energies. So life is always going to hone in because whatever we hold as a lower energy is a disease energy. It is not healthy for the tissue that it's stored in. And its presence in the tissue is energetic motion. Anything that creates motion sets up an energy wave. And every energy wave tends to draw to it that which it is in tune with. And so it seems that the creator, the genius that set the whole game up said, you know, folks, I really don't like you guys killing yourselves with rage and guilt and grief and fear and drama and trauma. So I'm going to set the world up so that if you have any rage or fear or guilt or grief or drama and trauma, somebody's going to show up. The circumstances will automatically be arranged by resonance so that those parts of your mind are triggered into activity. Now, you'll do one of two things with them when they're triggered into activity. You either maintain your denial and keep saying, yeah, look what they're doing to me, or you'll stop and go, wow, here I am feeling this fear again. Here I am feeling this anger again. Here I am feeling this desire to leave again. Am I going to speak about that as caused by someone else, or am I going to own it and go, oh, here's my old desire to leave coming to the surface again? I think I'll apply forgiveness and remove that so that I'm not prompted by past dynamics to do behavior in the present that will compromise what my life is really about. And so life is a great mind shifter. It's a little easier to do it on paper, but, you know, it's a great mind shifter. Yes, yes. And it sounds like the circumstances there, you know, when I, I very briefly explained in my email, and I haven't read Jeannie's yet, so I'm not sure what Jeannie had to say, but, you know, the fact that, um, you know, your partner is someone who has had been through World War II and some of the worst atrocities going, mm-hmm. until he goes in, you know, once a, a goal is set in the mind, it either mm-hmm. has to be accomplished or canceled, or it's going to drive behavior. And so here he is, you know, decades later, and in that environment, you know, you'll notice, as you said in the email, his behavior is much different when you're there than when you're here in America. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have all those goals running, stimulated by the environment. But mm-hmm. once those goals start running and you have that many unresolved goals going, you reach a, reach a level of stress where people just turn right back to their power person dynamic. And that's what tends to run them. Yeah, that was really helpful, um, your your awareness of both of those conditions, his his war experience during the war and uh, the thing about the power person dynamic. I have to do a lot of work with it to, uh, you know, hold the space of love myself and to respond appropriately in the moment while I'm here. 
And uh, exactly, <laughs> it's, it's, it's I mean, been, it's, you said uh, I want to do this, and so here you are getting the opportunities. Yes. And you know, when you're when you're watching someone in pain and trauma, and you have matching bags of garbage, similar pain and trauma. There's an old saying, something about, you know, it's hard to remember that the objective was to drain the swamp when you're up to your butt in alligators. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when that stuff starts to move, it can be hard to remember. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. My overriding goal is to live a human life, to be the presence of love for everything. And I think to always remember that what I can't be the presence of love for and therefore bring a healing mind to is my work. It's not their work. But because of denial, dissociation, and projection, my mind shows me that it's their work. Well, if they would just do this, then I wouldn't have to feel this. It's like, excuse me, did you notice you're feeling something? That's your work. It's not about them. So, you know, the the trickster, you know, every native culture has this wily coyote, the trickster, the joker. And, Mm -hmm. And it turns things around, and it turns things around. And the biggest joker is carbon-based memory that can make everything as painful inside of me about everybody else and their fault, as opposed to my opportunity to heal. It's a mind shifter that, you know, just life acts as a mind shifter that brings that up. And I either talk about them as though they're the cause of what I'm feeling, or I go, oh, here's another layer of my fear. Oh, here's another layer of my sadness. Here's another layer of my anger. Here's another layer of my rage. Here's another layer of my leaving issue. I think I'll forgive instead of talk about them. But it's a big piece of learning. Yes, it, it's been a major piece this summer, and I I am grateful for it. I'm really grateful for it. And more than anything, for the work we've done together and I mean, you and Jeannie and Julie and Linda Russell and Gail Boggs have been present with me through all of this. I feel like I have, what do they call, a cloud of witnesses around me. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, yes, I feel better than I ever have uh, being fa- because, I mean, I've been in situations in the past three weeks where I wanted to just scream bloody murder right. and there you go. strike out and strike out. And uh, I took a breath and uh, just remembered, you know, I'm love. That's all I am. Yeah. And uh, I don't have to respond out of this old content. Yeah, yeah. And reading A Course in Miracles. Yes, it is. And and I'm starting The Course in Miracles all over again from the beginning and just looking around and saying, this doesn't mean anything, that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) And I'm letting go. I've had a little problem with um, some remarks that come back to me that, oh, it's not important or I don't care. Uh, so, I, so let me see. So, so let me just let me see if I'm clear on this. So, so a remark out there is giving you problems. Is that is that what I hear? So, I, I didn't know that could happen. I'll have to look into that. See if that's possible. <laughs> well, it's a major uh, case of denial. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what I so when a certain I'm, type of remark is made, is this what I'm uh-huh. really hearing, or what you uh-huh. really would like to own is? that when a certain kind of remark is made, it brings up a part of me that is somewhat less than love, that instead of blaming, I could just forgive and be finished with it and keep standing as that space of love? 
Yes, I guess my tendency yeah. is to uh, uh, well, when I hear I don't care or it doesn't matter or something like that, I I'm thinking that there's um, indifference uh, mm-hmm. that's that's raised up, and I don't know how to respond to that. Well, I'll offer that the highest response is, if I seem to be disturbed by indifference, then I want to look at the places in my life where I've been indifferent. If I want to give them the instruction, remember in the codependence work, we look at what's your advice to them. So if my instruction to them is, you need to take more care about what you say and what you do, then how do I apply that advice in my life to me? I need to take more care what I say and what I do. Amen. You always make it so simple. Yes. It's because it's simple. Remember in the book, In Why Is This Happening to Me Again, we point out that to a complicated mind, the truth is complicated. To a simplified mind, the truth is simple. I'm a simpleton. You know, it's just just (laughs) straightforward. (laughs) Yes, you are, and I love it. I love being simple, and I love the simplicity of this. Thanks so much, Michael. All right. We're glad to be on the team, and we'll look forward to seeing you in Florida in a, a few weeks. It can't come too soon. (laughs) <laughs> All right, take care. Blessings. Love Talk you both. Love. Bye-bye. Love okay. you too. Bye-bye. Bye, Jeannie. Bye. Uh, okay, next year you're just have... going to have to pack, pack us up in your pocket and take us off to France with you. That's, that's going to oh, be the yeah, solution. Oh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> then she'll have somebody else that speaks English. <laughs> oh. Okay. We do have another caller. It's area code 808. You're mm-hmm. on the air. Is this Roma? Yes, it is. Good morning, good afternoon, hey there, good evening, young lady. whatever, whatever time yeah, zone you're in. Here. Yeah, <laughs> and Camille, I I don't know whether it's dark where Camille is or, or what, but anyway, it was beautiful listening to her and hearing that conversation of truth. So Yay. I, I, yeah, yeah, lovely lady. My goodness. Hi, she Camille. Is. She's awesome. <laughs> I'm way over here in Camille Hawaii. started doing the work. Camille was one of the early adopters. She worked with me in Atlanta 37, 38 years ago. Wow, she outdates oh, me kind of even. Cool. Yeah. And cool. we just reconnected uh, just in the last uh, year and a half or so. so it's yeah, cool. it's, it's just beautiful how when, you know, as life trundles along every now and then we got to reach back and, Visit that, visit that, uh, that tool again. And, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, so a we couple of days ago, What's on your I mind? Was, yeah, a couple of days ago, I was in a very uh, frustrating interaction over email with a friend of mine who had a misperception, a reaction to a particular word, and simply could not, could not, could not get through it, and. More than a dozen emails back and forth, and finally, finally, his last was, "Okay, this is it. Goodbye." And so, of course, I just simply said goodbye. So I turned off my computer and walked away, and immediately felt a pain in my <clears throat> in my uh, gut colon, right near where my appendix scar is. And um, 
And I know that that is some kind of a physical manifestation of something I'm in denial of. And I, so I looked it up in Louise Hay this morning, and she said, um, uh, don't want to release the past. And, of course, that makes sense because I didn't want to release that relationship, and I got up having just right. said goodbye. So I don't know. But I wondered if maybe you had something else to contribute in terms of uh, how uh, – what what – this thought form might be and how I, you know, how I could uh, resolve it. Also, yesterday I was on the phone doing RC with someone, and uh, I had a, a picture, a visual of a very large animal stomping on my chest. I don't know whether it was like, uh, yeah, yeah, like, like whether it was an elephant or a buffalo or what, but... Yeah, and of course I have this lung disease, so I thought maybe that was a real gift from God. So I'm looking at those two things. So you you probably want to start looking at what part of you, what what energy are you using to stuff into your chest and do the equivalent of stomping on it. Yeah, well, grief. I mean, see, uh, yeah, because the grief, the grief in losing a relationship that I really didn't want to lose, or I didn't think I wanted to lose. Uh, you know, I was. Uh, I, I was grieving yesterday, so that's why I called so, for help with my our right, friend. Right, so so let me just let me just see if I've got this clear. So you yeah. lost a relationship that you really wanted to lose. Is that what I heard you say? No. <laughs> oh, I can swear that's I what think, I heard. In yeah, fact, I think I heard it three times. I wanted to lose, wanted to lose, wanted to lose. I, I'm no. sure that's what I heard. Uh, are you kidding? You're, yeah. you're joking. Yeah. What? I'm not joking at all. Joke? I'm just reflecting back to you your words. Well, I, if I, I say to you, take a breath. I did not. I don't. If I say I don't, to you, oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on. If I say to you, don't think about the color of your car. Right. What resonates in brain cells? Color of the car. The color of my car. Notice yeah. I said don't think about the color of my car. Right. If the way the world works is that there's a creator in each of us. The creator of the universe resides in each of us and said to us at some point, tell you what, here's how it's going to work. I have turned the power of directing your life over to you. The creator says, I have been in charge of all of life until I created you humans. And then I went inside I cause your heart to beat, I cause your food to digest, I cause your blood to flow. I'll take care of all of that. You take care of the outside. And by the way, when you want something, tell me what you want. Resonate brain cells, and I will follow your instructions. So when three times in a row I say to myself, I didn't want to lose this, I didn't want to lose this, I didn't want to lose that, what right, brain right. cells does the creator in you hear? Lose it, lose it, lose it. Lose it, lose it, lose it. Yep. And so when I can shift and start to go inside and not not try to say anything right because it's perfectly right, you're showing what the content of brain cells is that needs to be forgiven, that in your file on relationships there's a lot of loss. And so I'd be breathing into that and doing worksheets on loss of relationship. Well, I did. I did and like a bunch about cool. loss exactly. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, but still the pain was terrible. Yeah, and still the brain cells are there about loss in relationship. So this is probably going to be, you know, when they said to Yeshua, how many of these damn worksheets do we have to do anyway? Is seven enough? And his response in Aramaic was, no, 77 times 70. So this sounds like it's probably your 77 times 70 relationship or worksheet issue. And as you keep working through that, there will come a point where you'll shift out of loss and the generational pattern of loss in relationship, and you'll shift into, well, relationships naturally are there for eternity. And then your language will be, and I know this is an eternal relationship. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's when the language naturally develops because that's what's in brain cells in regard to that issue that we're on track. And until then, it's about keep bringing the dynamic back and doing your work around what needs to be forgiven. Well, how could I remember that forgive means I didn't want to lose the relationship. How would I rephrase that in such a way that I would that give instruction you, to you the universe for what I want? You wouldn't rephrase it. Because if you rephrase it, you'd just be putting a layer of peanut butter over a bag of garbage. You want to keep delving into those brain cells till you're finished with all right. of the pain and drama and trauma around right. loss. Around loss. And then spontaneously and naturally, oh, you know, the scriptures talk about the loss of natural affections. When we become so imbued with, you know, pain and trauma, then it seems like they're the only options. But underlying it all, there's the natural knowing of eternal relationships and eternal life. So you keep doing the work you need to do to surface all of that, forgive all of that, until the natural, oh, of course this relationship is eternal. That's the way relationships are. And you process that pain and that loss. Yeah. As you're breathing, pay attention to your palate, your upper lip. What, what, what am I looking for? Just pay attention to your palate and your upper lip and let the energy yeah. loose that's moving there. Palate? Is that the soft palate? What, yeah, what the palate? upper part of your mouth, the roof of your mouth. Is soft and hard? Mm-hmm. What, what, what am I looking for there? Just, just pay attention to the energy. Oh, okay. Just pay attention to what's moving there. All right. Well, probably not conscious of it. <sighs> well, that's why I asked to look, just to get uh, conscious. Yeah. It went back into How many generations? I don't understand. Huh? What? Yeah. How many what? generations do you suppose this depth of grief has been around the relationship issue in your family system? Oh, just forever, that's all. And there's rage there too. There's rage. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, you can only take so much pain, and then and then you get enraged. <gasps> Gosh, well, or you yeah. take a fifth of scotch or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, rage is just an anesthetic. It's just a drug. Yeah, right. It's just yeah. a drug to anesthetize the pain. Well, the pain, you know, you, 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 you think you're going to die from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. It's self-protective rage. You know, if you feel like you're going to die from the pain. So that pain in my gut was just pain. That's all. And when I can keep bringing forward, and you know, you chose in this lifetime to do your work, to say, okay, I'm going to face it and I'm going to process it out. I'm going to yeah. learn to hold to a mind of conscious, active, present love. And whatever is less than love in my genes, I'm going to allow it to come forward and bring healing to it. Oh, you this know is what, what it I'm looks experiencing? Like. Right now I'm getting feedback from that area. And it's, it's, it, the yeah. feedback is loving. It's, it's gratitude and awesome. love coming back at me. Yeah. Oh, That's the truth of yeah. what's underneath it all. Yeah, the truth right. of what's underneath it all. Love. Yeah, nothing but love. I have a new teacher, a woman who has taught here before, but she'd been gone for seven years. She, her name is Spirit, with a capital S. And uh, she adopted 17 children. And this woman is awesome. And that is her, her mantra repeated, there is nothing but love. And I had had a mystical experience after my first uh uh, interaction with her last week where I actually <clears throat> I, I, in this lifetime I've never been willing to allow my psychic capacities to be receptive of violence or hatred or something like that so it's been blocked and the, uh, apparently the block uh, the, the uh, instruction to block has been removed uh, and uh, I had uh, I suddenly heard uh, I had a vision I, and uh, in an instant, it came in an instant, and uh, I heard a gun go off and heard the splat of uh, blood. And, and, uh, and I was sitting next to John Kennedy as if, as if I was in Jackie's body. And uh, she had just told me that she was, the night before she had mentioned to me that she was very disappointed with Obama once upon a time, uh, because she really believed in him until he made the wrong decision on one of the issues. And then she heard him talking on a on a program how his whole entire family's life had been threatened. Uh, and so I really got it that, you know, Kennedy, I, I, I didn't, Holy Spirit gave it to me in this vision the next, in a few hours later, that Kennedy was killed because he refused to... Be uh, threatened. He withdrew. He, he just simply said no to being threatened, and so they killed him. Yeah. And uh, that's the way the uh, situation is in the world now. So I spoke about that in my next session with her, which was Wednesday night. And she said, she said there is nothing but love. She said everything else is illusion. There is nothing but love. So I'm glad to hear you say those words again, that underlying everything, every kind of circumstance you could possibly 
envision or make up. There is nothing but love. So quite a, quite a, it's going, go ahead. And if you look at the word illusion, the word illusion doesn't mean something that doesn't exist as many people present it. The root of the word illusion in Aramaic is measured. You remember in the scriptures they said, as you measure, as you measure it will be measured unto you. Mm-hmm. So I can take the hate, the fear, the rage, the guilt, and put it in my structure, measure it in, mm-hmm. and then when it's activated, my mind will measure it back to me. As I forgive and remove that, then I get back to the underlying presence of love and I get to live out of that rather than what's been measured into my structure by my generations or by my own unknowingness. And as I face those things and dissolve them, then I get back to the root of being and everything shifts and changes. Yeah. It's interesting. As you were, you know, using the word measured, I was having a picture of, you know, when you when you cook and you, you, you pour a liquid into... Exactly. The teaspoon measurement device. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. If I just put chocolate in the bread, the bread's going to taste like chocolate. If I put hate and fear in the relationship, the relationship's going to taste like hate and fear. But it's not going to be the relationship that takes taste, taste that way. It's going to be what I've put into it to taste that way. And when I choose to forgive, remove all of that, then everything shifts and changes. Right, and then nothing is left but that immense love. That's it. There we go. That's where we'd be heading. All right, nice piece of work. Another layer. Thank you very much. Okay. All right, blessings. Alrighty, aloha. Bye-bye. So our call-in number for a couple more days is 646 200 4169 will be going to a new number on the 1st of September. And you can find that number on our website. And perhaps, Jeannie, if you've got it in front of you, because I don't, you could just share it with us. I don't have it memorized yet. I don't have it memorized either, but it is um, 516 area code and then 418. 5786. That's 516 area code 418 5786. Cool. Fabulous. Well, do we have anybody else with a hand up or uh, anything happening in the uh, chat room that we could be aware of and create support out of? We got about we do uh, have a hand up. 12 minutes left. Awesome. Let's say hello. 248, you're on the air. Hello, Dee. Hello, Michael. Hey, Michelle. Well, hey there, young lady. Good to hear your voice. You sound like you've had a lot on your plate. Uh, yeah. It's, um... Along with making onion bread and all that kind of neat stuff, I bet you've been a busy lady. Yeah, but, but I'm not baking my onion bread. Right. You're dehydrating it, right? Cool. You got it. You got it. So, um... It's 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 lovely to listen today. I have been um, real busy and um, lots of irons in the fire. So it's it's cool that I have opportunity to kind of kick back at least for an hour here and um, be fueled with the language and the and the um, the lessons and the support. So you know, is um, I'm actually here with a client who I'd say like you know, long time listener, first time caller. 
um, somebody who is a student at Michigan State, and, you know, lucky for her, I came upon forgiveness work, um, you know, right at the cusp of her inquiry into, you know, doing something different. So um, I invited her to um, share one of the things we uh, talked about recently and, and just to hear someone else explain it, you know, a different perspective, so to speak, um, in terms of how do you present some of the, you know, all of the above. You know, I don't have a chalkboard in my office, so when I, like, you know, want to say, well, you know, all of the above, there's nothing to point to. So it's not exactly <laughs> the same. Well, you need to get yourself so, a little sign that you can just whip out and lay on the desk. Well, yeah, no, like a little mini whiteboard, I guess, maybe a laptop. Um, so um, this is Taylor. Hello. <laughs> well, hey there, young lady. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Great. What are you studying at MSU? I'm actually studying psychology. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, you've come to the right place. This is going to give you yeah. first century perspectives that you just won't find anywhere else in the world. Okay, great. <laughs> Should I talk about it? Yeah. So do you have any particular questions we can support you by answering? Well, we were just talking today a lot about how, um, like, when I get up that I almost feel like when I'm alone I can't even um, like express my emotions even to myself. I don't allow myself to cry like that somehow feels I guess embarrassing to me um, and that's I think really uh, distressful for me in a way. I'm not like allowing myself to feel emotions and I think that that's really holding me back in a lot of ways. Well, let me ask, uh, you know, this question's probably way out in left field, doesn't have anything to do with what's going on. But let me just ask the, if, um, if your power person, and in this work, you know, our codependence to interdependence work, we introduced the concept of a power person. And a power person's a person in your life that had more power in your life at some stage than you did and wasn't mm-hmm. functioning as love. So, okay. How did it feel for you when your power person wasn't able to express their emotions? Um, I guess I felt powerless. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I think my power person would be my mom. So if she wasn't able to express her emotions, like I felt like I wanted to help her do that. I felt, I don't know if I would say I felt responsible, but I, I always felt kind of, like I needed to help in some way, so I felt powerless as well. Right. So what I'd offer is that what you've described is a situation where you're under stress, and Mm -hmm. what happens is that until we look inside ourselves and resolve the power person dynamics, and again, our definition of a power person is a person who had more power over your life than you did at some stage and wasn't functioning as love, And for the rest of our lives, until we look inside and resolve those dynamics, there are only three things that we're capable of doing. And the three things we're capable of doing, which one we do, will be determined by the level of stress that we're under. When there's no stress, we'll do what we did to get along with our power person. When stress builds, we'll do what we did to resist and survive with our power person. Mm-hmm. And then when we become ultra stressed, we'll do what our power person did to us that we hated the most. 
And it okay. sounds like with blaming yourself for what your mom was feeling and not able to express is mm-hmm. your ultra-stressed state. And so my suggestion would be that you start to work in the direction of those power person dynamics and let them go. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense because I do place a lot of, um, I don't know if it's guilt, but um, I feel really responsible for what my mom feels. Right. So notice that you can play the game out that I feel responsible for what my mom feels and you can use that to avoid experiencing expressing what you're feeling. Okay. Yeah. So I've been doing some worksheets on self blame. If if Michelle hasn't introduced the worksheet yet, I'd invite her to uh, introduce the worksheet and do some worksheets on self blame. And as you do, you'll pick the lid up off of that, and that whole space will just open, and you'll go, "Oh, here are feelings of mine." And then Mm -hmm. you might just decide not to hang out with those feelings if they're less than love, and throw them out, forgive them, and and be done with them. Yeah. I have done, I, I believe, one worksheet that she's given me on um, canceling the goal, goals that I have for right. not even just my mom, but just other things that I'm dealing with. So right. something kind of Well, in the, in, the situation, in the situation where you're feeling like you're to blame or responsible mm-hmm. for what your mom's feeling, then mm-hmm. that, the goal that you'd work on in that particular worksheet would probably be something like, I cancel my need to fix mom. Yeah. I cancel my need to take care of mom. Mm -hmm. I cancel my need to be mom's mom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then you'll probably proceed into doing worksheets around canceling your need to have a mom. Because it sounds like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Michael, you don't know because um that would really uncover a mother though because sometimes Taylor will go into like fantasy. Like, I can't I can't imagine what would like you know, my life be without my mom and then she practically has a panic attack as she's talking and so it's just it's right in row with like the layers to go through to get there because it is covering a tremendous amount of fear. Yeah. So a mother load, uh, pun intended. Is that oh, what I hear? Oh, 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 oh. I, didn't even, I didn't even hear myself. <laughs> the um, correlation awesome. that you made related to stress, I think, is interesting too because um, there was a, a tragic death of um, a close friend to Taylor, who's, you know, her age. And so, you mm. know, here, well, died in a duty. car accident. So um, she had a miss a, a week. And so when you talked about the high stress, that's exactly when this thing all came up. So I just want to yeah. point it out to her, how about the correlation there. Yeah. And the way that you lower your stress, remember, stress is created when you create a goal. And so the way you lower your stress, and this may sound strange, but in relationship to your friend who's passed, it would be canceling the need for her to still be alive Mm -hmm. and letting yourself drop into the deeper part of your mind that holds who knows what about people dying. Mm 
and let yourself process through that. And when you're able to do that, then for her having left her body, you know, one of the things she needs more than anything is people who can tune into her and be conscious, active, present love for her as she goes on to her next step in her journey. Mm -hmm. And as you free yourself of that pain and that trauma, then you can be that space for her. And that's an awesome gift. You can be that space for her family. You can be that space for yourself. Because what's needed in all of these circumstances is for somebody really to be able to stand in a space of conscious, active, present love, which is the master solvent and the master healer that dissolves all pain. Mm Okay. And uh, we've just, you know, hit probably some of the deepest issues anybody could ever hit. Hey, that's pretty good. We've been four minutes at it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it sounds like you've got your work cut out for you. How cool that you've got support there for doing it. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, Jeannie is going to be up there in just a few weeks. Uh, Actually, what is it? Uh, The 15th of September, so not much more than two weeks away, doing a four-day retreat specifically focused on women issues. And it wouldn't surprise me if the mother issue comes up. So. Yeah. So that might be a, a space you want to carve out and be part of that because Jeannie will be just moving things just right along to the next level. Okay. Yeah, I will definitely look into awesome. it. I've got, the, I've got the workshop right in front of me. So. All right. Cool. Well, delight to meet you, Taylor. Glad to be on the team. And any way we can support you anywhere down the road, today, tomorrow, 50 years from now, we're here to create that support. Okay. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you, too. All right. Delighted. Blessings. Take care. Bye-bye. Great work, Michelle. Yeah. um, Glad to be on the team. I appreciate it. Um, I'm moving Alyssa into Michigan State on Sunday, so um, lots of transitions and really uh, looking forward to having Jeannie here to support us all and and moving through it. Cool. Fabulous. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm going to close the show because we're down to the last minute or so and just say that we appreciate you being here. Make a note in your phone. Save the new number, September 1st. The new call-in number will be 516-418-5786. And by the way, if you're ready, uh, you know, on the uh, 29th, just a couple days from now, We'll be starting a 16-day Laws of Living, and it's interesting. Jeannie will be heading off to uh, a stepson's wedding and uh, then up to Michigan, and we'll be carrying on with Laws of Living here. And it's Ari and I just uh, working here with uh, seven or eight women to uh, move through Laws of Living. So if anybody's ready to do the next layer of work around uh, Laws of Living and getting back into relationship with those underlying eternal forces of the universe, that's what we'll be doing starting on the 29th. We've got space. It'll be a small, very intense group, very personal attention. So we invite you to come and join us. In the meantime, create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings.
thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the Internal Aramaic Process of Forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.